praise Jesus this morning. this morning. Just greet each other around you. We are really glad to have you. And if you're first time here today, thank you for coming. We're so glad to have you here with us.
half of you are. How about the rest of you? Are you glad to be here today? We are here because Jesus is with us this morning. And you know, the next song that we're singing talks about Christ being enough for us. And as we sing the words to this song, as a band begins to play, and we sing this song, it talks about, I have decided to follow Jesus. And that is something that we want you to think about today. Have you decided to truly follow Jesus with all of your heart, soul, and mind? Because Christ is enough. No matter what this life holds, Christ is enough.
singing. You can be seated, please. Good morning. Is everybody everybody awake? How can you not be awake after singing that song? Can we give God a hand. What's it? Man, that was awesome. Love it. <clears throat> you know, that's what we're all about here at Crossroads is bringing people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, Jesus isn't just enough. Jesus is enough. Amen. And so that's what we're all about here. And so we just want to say welcome. We're glad you're here. If you pass the friendship folders, we appreciate that. Um, but we have something really exciting to share with you this morning. And last week I mentioned it for the first time. I just want to correct a date. I mentioned uh, this next steps gathering we're going to have on February 18th. And so that is the correct date. February 18th is going to be our next steps gathering. It's going to be a time where we're going to address questions like, you know, what do we believe here at Crossroads? How do I get connected? How do I figure out my gifts? How do I join a life group? Or truly, at the end of the day, the most general question is, what's the next step? So some of you find yourself, today's day one, and we're glad you're here. Some of you, today's 1,462 and a half. Whatever day it is for you and, and you want to take that next step, we just want to invite you to that uh, Next Steps luncheon uh, gathering. It's on February 18th, 1215 in the gym right after the second service. And we'll be able to answer questions and, and kind of help you find that next step here at Crossroads. So we're really excited about that. Only thing you need to do is just let us know that you're coming and you can do that by going to our website and RSVP and it is free, which I love that. Don't you love that? And also, too, if you're brand new with us, would you find us in the lobby afterwards? We want to give you something for free uh, and just welcome you and get you connected here at Crossroads and serve you and your family or if it's just by yourself. We want to talk to you, get to know your story uh, because you are important to God, you are important to us. And um, at this point, I'd like to ask the ushers to come forward for our morning offering. And if you're brand new with us this morning, would you feel free to just let the plate pass? You are absolutely more than welcome to participate. Uh, this is for the, those who are normal in the grace of giving. And uh, yeah, we're just excited at what God's going to speak to us this morning through his word. Would you join me in praying? Father, we come before you excited, God, because you're here. God, we, we proclaim songs and truths, God, just that you are enough for me. And God, it's the truth. Um, and God, you just know that some of us here are, are wrestling kind of at that thought of surrendering our life to you. We know some of us have been following you for a long time, and some of us a year, some of us weeks. And, and God, the truth is, is at the end of the day, no matter where we are in our relationship with you, the truth, the truth is the same. God, that you don't see us for our past. You don't see us for what we do now. God, you only see us. Uh, through your son, Jesus Christ. And so we claim that truth now, that you are enough, Jesus. Even in our doubt, like we'll talk about this morning, God, you, you speak to us in our doubt, you meet us in our doubt, and God, we're excited, uh, and just, uh, ec we're, we, we pray in expectation, God, that great things are going to happen this morning, because you're moving. And God, we know that your kingdom is growing, and so right now, God, we give to your kingdom. We give to your greater work in this church, in our state, in our country, and, and truly, God, in this world. God, we give to your kingdom now the treasures that you give to us so generously. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you so much for this time in your name. Amen.
series, the, the struggle is real. I'm reminded this morning of uh, a few of our people that are really facing some struggles. One of them is uh, Marianne Mickick out there. Could somebody see if she's out there still uh, in the foyer? See if Marianne's there. I'm going to bring her in for a minute. Marianne is, uh, is going to actually uh, have a double knee replacement, okay? And, uh, you know, Marianne is one of, our, one of our faithful team. Could we welcome Marianne? I just want to come bring her down and just... Brag on Marianne a little bit, all right? Marianne is, uh, as I said, she's going to have both knees replaced. She said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to get it over with, right? So, uh, and she, she's been, uh, she has, uh, here I'm making a lady with bad knees walk all the way down now. I should have walked back here and made you stand up and look, right? Anyhow, I want to say thank you to Marianne. She has been, you said, at that door for 50 years. Isn't that crazy? Over 40, we know that, you know? And, um, and, you know, it's people like Marianne that make this place special. She gives and gives and gives. And, you know, she said, I want people to know where I'm at. Will you pray for me? And so I, she didn't know we were doing this today. She thought we'd do this while she's gone, right? She's like, I don't want people to think I just disappeared. And I said, we're not going to let you disappear. You've got a bronze statue of you anyhow. So, you know, you're, 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 I need you. So, uh, you know, she gives you a hug, a handshake, a bulletin. This lady is awesome. Crossroads is made up of so many people that make this place special. And, you know, we have people downstairs watching your kids right now. People are ministering to the kids. People are working with our young people. There's people in the parking lot. There's people in the foyer. Marianne being one of the most visible people that you see. I just could not talk about the struggle as real without praying over her struggles. Amen. Can we give God a hand for this young lady? So uh, as, as we start the, the message today, I'd just like to have some prayer and just ask God to watch over her. And I want you to feel free to send her cards, food, anything, right? Anyhow, just take care of her. Let's love on Marianne because she is given so much. And never, I've never seen her down. If things are going bad, she's always giving me a thumbs up. I, I gave the worst message in my life. She said it was good. This lady is awesome, and I just want to thank God for her. Can we pray? God, I thank you so much for Marianne, Lord. You've, you've done some really cool things in her life, and we just love her and Tom and her whole family, Lord. And I just thank you how that uh, they've given their life to serve you, Lord. They're here. They, they've been so faithful to you, and you've been so faithful to them. And so, God, as she goes to the surgery in the, in the coming weeks, uh, I just ask that you'll watch over her, Lord, as she has both knees replaced and be a, a tremendous time of recovery, Lord. I just ask that you will uh, put your hand of healing upon her and give her grace, Lord. Uh, we thank you for what she means to our church family, Lord. Uh, she is truly 
at what may, one of the reasons that Crossroads is special. And we just thank you for giving her to us. And uh, we just ask that you'll uh, be with us as we all support her in prayer as she has this surgery next week. Not this week, but the following week, Lord. We just ask that you'll put your hand upon her. In your name we pray. Amen. We love you, dear. All right? God bless. Let's give her a hand. God bless you. She, uh, you know, I, I caught her on surprise by, in the first service. If I would have told her that, she probably wouldn't, that I was going to do that, she'd probably hid today, right? But I thank God for Marianne. And, uh, you know, a few other of our people are having some struggles as well. I, I, you know, it seems that everybody I talk to is having a surgery right now. It's like, wow, man, this person's having this and this person's having that. But last night we had a, a real, I thought it was a real milestone. Uh, George Deasing was here. George and Linda. You know, George had the motorcycle accident. Can we give God a hand for that? That's just awesome, man. It was just awesome. And uh, they brought him in in a wheelchair. He, you know, he still can't get up and walk. He can pivot on one foot. And, uh, boy, he's got a good attitude, and I'm sure that would be, the struggle would be real. So, George, if you're watching, because they told us he watches, let's give George a shout-out, all right? We love you, George. God bless you, man. <clears throat> So the struggle is real, and, and as you're going through life, you know, we, we face these challenges, health, health issues, we face financial issues, we face family issues, oh man, family issues, that's a big one, and, uh, and we, we deal with all these things, and, and last week we talked about as we come, off, uh, we come off of those highs when we go down into the valleys, the valleys is really dark, and sometimes we wonder, will we ever get out of the valley, will we, will we ever be able to move forward? And I reminded you last week that it's okay not to be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. It's okay, you know, we're going to get down. We're going to have those dark moments. And, but we all want to live up here. We all want to live on the, on the mountains. And somebody asked me earlier today, you know, how, how, how long do you stay up on the mountain? And I said, well, I'm not very sure because I have so many valleys and I have mountains and I have valleys and it's like up and down. And, uh, but I know that God is there in the high and he's there in the low. And, and, and as we assured you last week, he says, I will never leave you and will never forsake you. But one of the things that can happen when we, when we get into the low is that we can begin to doubt that he's good. We begin to doubt his character. We begin to doubt what his plans are. So this morning in Mark chapter 9, uh, in this particular passage, not on the screen, but Mark chapter 9, verse 17, if you have your Bible, you can go look there. Uh, there, there's a story of a man who comes and he has a sick child, and he comes to God, and he's pretty disappointed. And it's his moment of doubt is what it is. Uh, one, verse 17, one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth, and he grinds his teeth, and he becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirits, but they couldn't do it. So he comes and he comes to God and he, he's, he's a little bit upset. He's saying, listen, uh, you know, I, all I want is my son healed and I come to your helpers and your helpers couldn't help. What, what's going on here? Why can't your helpers help? I'm doing what you want me to do. I'm following, I come and it's not working. And Jesus says to them, you faithless people, you of little faith. How long must I be with you? How long must I continue with this? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father, and he replied, since he was a little boy. The Spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Now, could you imagine? Here was this man. He comes before the Lord, and he's just begging, and he's, he's in this moment of doubt. And he says, help us if you can. I went to your helpers, and that, it didn't work. Why did it work for all these other people? I saw everybody else was getting healed, but my boy wasn't healed. So he comes before, you know, he's got to the boss now. He's to the master. He says, Help if you can. And you see, this was a moment of doubt for him. This was a moment that the time was down so low, and he's just saying, man, is there any hope is what he's asking. And I want to encourage you because I think many times in our lives, we get to that point where we say, is there any hope? Maybe, you know, how many times have we come to the Lord and said, can you help, Lord, if you can? 
Now, I don't remember verbally saying that to the Lord or having that exact phrase, but maybe I have with my attitude. Maybe you have with your attitude, or maybe you've even said that, well, God, if you're there, if you can, if you can do this, and look how what Jesus responds to him in verse, uh, verse 23. Mark chapter 9, 23 says, what do you mean, if I can? <laughs> I would love to have been in that crowd watching this take place. What do you mean, if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. He says, what do you mean? And Jesus replies, uh, if I can. What, what do you mean if I can? And he continues, anything is possible if a person believes. Now, the, the, this man replies to the Lord. And he replies to him, he says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I think many people are right at that moment. I believe, I want to believe, but uh, help me overcome my unbelief. I just have so many issues. You know, there, there are several reasons why people face doubt. Several things that cause us to, to come to that moment. And I think the number one reason is that, well, if, if I were God, I would do things differently. God didn't follow my plan. Uh, why doesn't God do what we want him to do? And I think that that's one of the, one of the big key areas. We, we, look, at, we look at life and we, we have our plan and we know how, you know, all you want is to, to live a good life and you want your kids to be healthy and you want your family to be healthy. You want to make enough living so that you can live. And, and that's kind of what you're looking for. And so we get into this mode where it's like, man, God, if I were you, I wouldn't let my kid do that. And if I were you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let my, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take my job away. If I were you, I wouldn't take this person's health away. And so we get into this point where we put ourselves into the God seat. Because there are times from our perspective that it doesn't make sense. It doesn't analyze. And so we look at it, we say, okay, does not compute, does not compute, does not compute. And because it doesn't make sense from my perspective, from where I'm looking at the scene, I begin to doubt. In the meantime, God has the whole picture. God has, he, he's, he's not just looking at a small little piece of the pie. He's looking at the whole story, and he knows exactly what's going on, and he promises he has a plan for your life. And so when we, get, when we come back and we could see his view, but the problem is that many times in our life we can't see his view. Uh, how about we've tried things that didn't work? Oh, yeah, I've gone to church. I kept going to church. And, you know, the more I go to church, and, and, and I just thought if I just keep going to church, I give my money, and, and I get into a class, I get into a life group, I, I serve, and I do all these things. And I just thought if I did all those things that, that, you know, this is the equation. A plus B plus C, there should be an A plus B plus C on the other side. That's all I ever heard of an equation was both sides had to be the same. So if I did my part over here, and I've been doing my part, why isn't God doing his part? And we get into this, and it really rattles our cage because we've been taught these things, and these things are good. These are healthy disciplines. They're healthy. This is what God desires for us to do. But he never said that there's an equation that A plus B plus C will give you an A plus B plus C on the other side. He said that I have the answers, and I have the whole plan. And while it doesn't make sense from your perspective, do you realize that there's more going on on your side that you know of? And there's the work of the Holy Spirit. There's the work and the power of God that he's laying and he's working in your life over here. And you're wondering why it's not making sense over here. It's because we don't see the whole equation. We don't see everything that God is doing. So we, ca we come to doubt. Uh, how about when other people around us express doubt? Boy, that can be one of the most painful times is whenever your family uh, has doubts. Maybe you, uh, your, your, your partner, your spouse, your kids, your, your relatives. Maybe you're the only one in your family that's following God. And what happens is when we start to hear people being negative and they start talking about their doubt, they start talking about, well, why would you go to church? Isn't that just a crutch? Well, why are you hanging out there? Well, I, I don't understand it. And there's so many other things that you could be doing. This morning, there are so many other places that you could be, and you have other family or friends that are asking you, well, why do you got to be there? I, don't, I just don't understand. And, and so you start to feel that, and it's like, man, it just starts to pull you down, and you begin to doubt. Um, you know, there, there's so, so many things that, 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 that begins to cause doubt. And as we look in the scriptures, I see that 
here was a man who said, help my unbelief. I want to believe. I, I do believe. But help me because I don't believe. And I think sometimes we get there because it's like, yeah, I believe, but, but over here, and what that man was saying was, I do believe, but my son, I do believe, but my son. And I think sometimes for us, we've got to understand that it is God who made a promise and I can trust him. And even though my son, my daughter, my family, my job, even though it didn't make sense, God still can be trusted. And that's where the hard part comes in. Now, in, in the scripture, we looked a lot at a guy through Christmas as we looked at the history of Christmas, uh, a guy named Abraham. And I'm going through, I'm reading the, the, uh, the Bible through again this year, and I picked up in Genesis again. And I'll tell you what, it's pretty exciting. Over in Genesis 12, you see that God gave that man, Abraham, a promise. He said that you're going to be a father of, of many nations. You're going to be the fault. As a matter of fact, he changed his name. He goes from Abram to Abraham. And the actual meaning of the word Abraham is father of multitudes, father of many nations, okay? So, so he comes before him, and he, uh, God changes his name, and he makes a promise. At that point, he was 75 years old. We're going to pick up over here in Genesis chapter 17 this morning because in Genesis 17, he's now 100 years old. So you've had a 25-year gap. For 25 years, there's been a gap, and it's like, well, wh why, am I, why am I dealing with this? Uh, there, there's, you know, like God made this promise, and why hasn't it happened yet? So Genesis 17, beginning in verse 15, then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. So what he does is he changes her name. And this whole name change, we, you know, when we pick names in our culture, we typically pick them because they sound good. But the, in the Jewish culture, I want to remind you that they chose a name and it would be given of character, it would be reflective of that person, right? So here he comes, he's changed his name, Abraham. He's now changed Sarah because, look, verse 16 he says that I will bless her. Her name is now Sarah. I will bless her and give her, give you a son from her. Yes, I will blessly, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Wow, and you're thinking, man, this is so cool. Here's Abraham, he's a he's rock solid in his faith, right? He never doubted. Well, let's look at verse 17. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground. And he laughed to himself in disbelief. Uh, there's, there's, here's a guy who actually doubted. There's a guy who actually faced some disbelief. And so he, God made a promise. And, he, you know, he's talking with God. Now, now, could you imagine? Here he comes. He says, how could I become a father at the age of 100? And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? I mean, could, I could just see Abraham bowing down to the ground. He gets this news from God. He's going down. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm 100 years old. I'm going to have a baby. <laughs> and, and my wife, how's that going to happen? She's 90, you know. She's old. She's too old, God. Don't you understand? And, and you, you, know, you catch that. You know, could you imagine going into the, uh, into the personal care home, you know? On this side, there's a guy, you know, his wife's 90. She got a baby over here. There's another lady. She doesn't remember where she's at, you know. And it's like you have, you have two, different, two different things. Uh, you, you know, this was a complete miracle. God had to recreate. I, I, I heard the story of a, a Dr. Allen from Dallas Theological. He was teaching about this passage. And he had a few doctors that were in his class, and they would just start to laugh. And they started to laugh hysterically, and afterwards he, ch he caught up with them. He said, you don't understand. In order for that to happen, God had to, like, create something, everything new inside. This, this was just not, oh, she couldn't get pregnant. This was like God had to recreate and redo this whole deal. And God did something powerful. But as, as Abraham's going down, he has this moment of disbelief. <laughs> okay, God, I believe you, but uh, I don't know how you're going to do that because I've never seen anything like that. And I've been waiting for 25 years. I've, I've waited for 25 years. And then look, look over here at, uh, at uh, Genesis 18, 12. So she laughed, Sarah. So she laughed silently to herself. 
And she said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? Especially when my master, my husband, he's also old. <laughs> you know, he says that she's old. She says that he's ancient. You know what I mean? Because 90 and 100, there's two different, two different sides to that coin, right? Um, you know what? They're laughing after, at the end of tears. They've had so many tears. They've, they have waited on God's promise and waited on God's promise and waited on God's promise. That they're now saying, wow. Really? God is... And it's like they, you come to the end of tears sometimes, and at the end of tears, you see the promise of God. And I think sometimes we get us, we get to that point. And I want to ask you sometimes in your life, have you asked these questions? Because here's a few questions that I think that he was probably asking. How can I be sure of this? How can I be sure of this? God, I'm 100, you're not, uh, my wife's 90, I don't, I don't know, I know your promise, but this doesn't make sense to me. How can I be sure of this? Uh, how about this? Does God really care about me? For 25 years, the, the promise was given. And, and they got up, they followed, they obeyed, they did everything. And I'm, I would think that, you know, 25 years ago, you know, when he, was, when he was 75 and his wife was 65, and he got up and moved the whole family out into the desert, and he stopped. And he said, okay, God, and God said, stop. He's, he's like, all right, we're here. All right. The baby's going to be on the way because God said he's going to make me a father of many nations. Doesn't make sense, but I guess. Then 25 years passed by. And then God comes back and says, I'm changing Sarah's name now. And I want you to understand because I'm going to make her. She's going to be a mother of many nations. You're a father of many nations. Wow. Pretty big deal. How about where's God in all of this? Sometimes I pray and I feel like my prayers aren't being answered. How about uh, why? Why me? Why now? Why, why us? Why, why not the guy down the street who doesn't go to church at all? Did you ever think that? Why not the guy who doesn't do anything? He has no connection to God. Uh, his life looks pretty good. Uh, he, he, just, he, comes, you know, he comes and goes. He does whatever he wants. Uh, and he's, he's got all the money he needs. His family looks good. His kids are healthy. And you say, why, why me? Why not him? I want to remind you over in Psalm 37, the, the psalmist tells us to fret not because of evildoers. For they are like the, the grass that will soon be cut down, that will be cut down and will soon wither away. But trust in the Lord. Put your hope in the Lord. So, so you see this, it's like, wow, we, 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 from our perspective, sometimes it doesn't make sense. Where's God in all this? Can I really trust you with everything, God? And doubt begins to start to sink in. And, and, and I want to encourage you, maybe some of you struggle with doubt even to the point where you doubt God, like his existence. I've been around several people that have told me that they doubt the existence of God. And I want to encourage you this morning that, uh, to know that the, the reason that we have faith is not because my mom handed this down to me. This, I'm not here, and I'm not, I'm not excited about this. I don't give my life to something because something was handed down, because it's just, you know, the whole story. They gave me a donut, and I came to church, you know, and all that stuff. And I just, I, I'm not going to take you through that again, all right? But listen, that's not why I've given my life to it. That's not why you give your life to it. It's because, listen, this book here, it's a living book, number one, uh, and number two, you know, the, if you go and you look at the, the evidences behind the Bible, like why you can trust the Bible, it's incredible. Uh, the, the, there's, there is more reason that you can trust the writing in this book than any other book around. You can stack this up and, you know, you look at all the things that, uh, that you have, the writings of Shakespeare and all these different people, and you can go back and say, all right, look at, look at all the textual criticisms that go back to the original and you do that and you put up against the writings of God 66 books from over this gigantic span of time over this gigantic span of, of, of geography and you see wow look at the textual criticism now and it all points into the favor that you can trust this book you can give everything in your life on this book it, listen we're not taking a leap in the dark our faith is not based upon, well, mommy said so, or daddy said so, or, or this is what the church believes. No, no, no. This is God's word, and therefore I can rest on it. And, and on top of that, one of the greatest, the greatest proof 
is that our leader, our master, rose from the dead. He was dead. He was in a tomb for three days. He was buried. It was lights are out. The disciples, they said, man, this is over. We are done. We are depressed. Game over. And then Jesus rises from the dead. Nobody was expecting it. They weren't there. They weren't ready for it. So here he comes along, and, uh, and now our leader is alive. He rose from the dead. He was seen in more than 400 people. Uh, I, I want to encourage you. There's, I have a few books at the Welcome Center. It's called The Case for Christ. If you'd like to know some more of those, go back there. I got them. They're free. If they're out, we'll have more of them for you next week. But just stop by there. You don't have to leave your name. You don't have to leave your social security. None of that stuff, all right? Just go grab the book and take it home and start looking through some of that. Because there, there is, we have there is something solid here. And I've given my life. You're giving your life because there's something solid that we're resting our faith on. So it's easy for us to sometimes doubt, though, because we look at life. And I want to encourage you that sometimes those doubt can make your faith even stronger. You can become even stronger through your doubt. Because as you're looking at it, you're saying, okay, sometimes this doesn't make sense over here. And I'm going to be very honest with you. Most of the time that we face doubt comes whenever life doesn't make sense. And we look at life and we cannot compute life. And we come up with an if-then. If life doesn't make sense, then... God must not. And really, it should be the other way around. God makes sense. Therefore, we don't understand life. You see, because God, we're, we're part of God's box. His box is so much bigger than ours. We're in his box. So the first thing I want to share with you today as we look at this is that doubt does not disqualify me. Because you have had a doubt, and that's the first one on, your, on, on the blank on the back of the bolt in there, uh, doubt does not disqualify me. Sometimes we think that, you know, all these people in the Bible, they were superheroes. There were no superheroes, folks. There were men and women like you, like me, falling forward, who, like Abraham, in disbelief, laughed when God said, I'm going to do this. Matthew chapter 14 we see the, the disciples. Matthew 14, verse 29, we see here's Peter. Peter and the disciples, they were out on the boat, and the boat was, you know, Jesus told them to go rest, and the, the wind and the storms are coming, and, it's blow, and the storms are blowing, and it's, it's like an incredible thing that's happening out there. And all of a sudden, they're like, where's Jesus? We're, we're stuck. We're in trouble. And so they look, out in the, they look out in the storm, and they see Jesus, and Jesus is starting to walk this way, and he's walking on the water. And Peter yells out, Lord, if that's you, if that's really you, call me unto yourself. So what does he do? He calls him unto himself. Look what verse 29, Jesus says, yes, come. So Peter went over the, over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. This is an incredible moment. He gets out of the water and he's walking on the water. And folks, when he got onto walking on the water, his feet got wet. I want, you, I want you to catch that. His feet got wet. Because when he's walking on the water, this was the moment. He's walking on it. He's not sinking. He's not levitating above it. He's walking on the water. So his feet are wet. This is a moment of trust. He's trusting God. And is this a moment whenever his life, uh, you know, th did the whole world change because Peter walked on water? No. But Peter's life changed because he walked on water. So he takes a step of faith. And he's out there. And then look at what the next verse says. Verse 30. But when he saw the strong wind in the waves, he was terrified. And he began to sink. And he yells out uh, the simplest prayer, Lord, save me. It's an incredible moment. I can just imagine if that were me out there walking on water, what would you be like? Like, man... Feeling that salt water in my toes. This is kind of cool. Look what I'm doing. And all of a sudden, he looks around, he sees the waves, and he's like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, we're going down. And he thinks, and the fear sets in, and it's because it doesn't make sense. Do you see that moment? It didn't make sense. People don't walk on water. There was no analysis. You couldn't, there's no reason, you couldn't explain why he was walking on the water. But we can explain what happened. He takes his eyes off of God and he starts to sink. 
And he goes down, and look at, look at verse 31. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. He, he cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. He says, you have so little faith. Why do you have so little faith? Why did you doubt me? And I want you to catch it like this, because it's, it's like this. He didn't see, you know, if that would be me with my kids when, I, when my kids were younger, you know, they're out, they, they do something crazy. What do we do as parents do? Well, you know, if you would have just did what dad told you, if you would have just listened to me, if you would have just obeyed me, you really wouldn't be in this big mess right now, okay? And we'd give this kid a whole speech and then would, would help him, right? That guy's he's starting to go down. And he picks him up, and I just want you to catch him. He, like an embrace, he picks him up, and he grabs him, and he hugs him. And he says, oh, Peter, why do you not have faith? You see, see he didn't condemn him. He, did, he didn't destroy him. He picked him up, and he says, why, why do you not have faith? Peter, we could have we walked all the way back to shore on water. We could have been out here all night. You had, you had a couple minutes. What? Why'd you doubt me? And he shows him and he loves him and he pulls him in and it's like, wow. And so he, he gives him this loving instead of this condemning. And I want to encourage you as you're, as you're following God that in your doubt that God is not condemning you. God is rescuing you. He says, you're, you're calling out, you're saying, Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. He, he, wants, he wants to rescue you. He wants to pick you up. He wants to hold you close to himself. As a matter of fact, God does, not only does he not condemn you, he meets you in your doubt. See, that's what, that's what he did. He came and he met him in the doubt. Abraham struggled after 25 years, and God meets him there and says, Hey, listen, I know you're struggling. I want to rename your wife, and I'm, I'm reminding you of my promise. Um, God meets us in our doubts. There was one of the followers of Jesus. His name was Thomas. He was a doubter. They called him Doubting Thomas. You know, Abraham, father of many nations, here's Doubting Thomas. What do you think he did? He doubted. He needed proof all the time, right? So over here in John chapter 20, we'll put up here John chapter 20. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them, and he says, Peace be with you. Verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand in the wounds in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. He knew Thomas wasn't believing. I, I, out, of, out of all the ones, Thomas said, I need more proof. I, I just don't believe. I know all you guys saw him. Ten of you guys saw him. And I'm hearing all this news and Mary, Mary and Martha saw him. But, but you're, 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 why aren't you? I don't understand this. I haven't seen him yet. So Jesus makes an appearance to him, and Jesus doesn't come over and say, Thomas, why'd you doubt? What's wrong with you? You got some sort of a problem. Don't you, don't you remember? And look, he says, no, no. Come here. I know what you need. You need to touch this. God, touch my hand. God, touch my side. I, I know that you need, you, need, you need to know what's going on here. So he doesn't condemn, and then he says, you don't have to live in unbelief anymore. You, I want you to believe. Move on in faith. And look how Thomas responds. Thomas responds and says, my Lord and my God. And that's how I want to encourage you to respond in doubt. Because maybe there's things that you're saying, man, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute. And I need, I, all right, you can wrestle and you can, you can struggle with doubt. But I want to encourage you not to snuggle with doubt. Okay? You can struggle with it, but don't snuggle with it. The more that we doubt, the more, the more that you live into doubt, the more, the more that, that, uh, that it can become a cold and a dangerous place. But as you move from that doubt, what I want to encourage you to do is to respond, my Lord and my God. And here's how you do it. Number one, you choose faith in God's promises. This book has 3,000 promises, more than 3,000 promises. God gave them for you. And, and, and that's why I want to encourage you to read them. That's why I've got the, the YouVersion Bible app. I, I, I'm one on my phone. I've downloaded the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, you get it. It's free. Y-O-U version. You download it, and you, and you go in, and you pick out a translation, and you listen to it. 
And so I have on here, I picked out the, the New Living Translation, and I let it read to me. It will read, uh, you hit the play button, it reads to me. So I, I have a f- plan. So you can go on there and you can pick read through the Bible in a year. So I picked the read through the Bible in a year. And, and I, I let it read to me. And so you can follow me. Go on there, find me, Ken Barner. You can follow me and you will see that I'm six days behind right now, okay? It's okay to, to, to get behind. And, and I want you to see that because maybe I'll get ahead one day. But most of the time you'll see me behind. And, and, and what I do is I let it read to me and it plays to me. And I get 13, each day is about 13 to, to 18 minutes. And I let it read to me. And you know what's happening? I'm hearing the promises of God. Scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I'm listening to the promises of God. And so I'm hearing all through Genesis right now and all through Matthew. I'm like, wow, this is incredible. Look, look who God is. And I want to encourage you to do the same because if we don't know the promises, what's going to happen? Choose faith in God's promises. We've got to start to know them. Look what, look what uh, Abraham did here, Hebrews 11. It was by faith. Read that with me, the first line. It was by faith. It was by, what was it by? All right, it was by faith. He disbelieved, but yet it was by faith. How can you have both, disbelief and faith? It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without, with not, without knowing where he was going. Verse 12 says this, And so, as a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. Isn't it kind of cool? God gives us little comical things in there. This man was a hundred. He was as good as dead. Kind of cool, isn't it? I never, I've read over that. I'm like, oh, look what Abraham did. Like, yeah, he was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. God kept his promise. So I want to encourage you to put your faith, choose faith in God's promises when you're doubting. Because here's what happened. Faith is like traction to doubt. You, you, you'll, you'll get rid of doubt with your faith as you put faith and you say, okay, I, this thing over here doesn't make sense, but I'm going to trust his promise. That's what Abraham did. All right, God. 100 years old, I'm going to have a baby? Yeah, okay. But God said it. And every time they asked him, Abraham, you're a father of many nations. Where's your kid? I don't know. How old are you? 100, yeah, okay. And he, and he put his faith in the promise of God. And that's what I want to I encourage you to do. Put your faith in the promise of God. And, and then lastly this morning is to, is to choose hope in someone greater. Choose hope in someone greater, and that someone greater is Jesus. Put your hope in Jesus. Uh, Romans 4.18, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. He kept believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. It didn't make sense, but he kept believing. He kept hoping. Uh, Romans 4.21, he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Where is your hope? Where is your hope this morning? I believe this Bible is true. I believe God's word is true. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose again, that he conquered death. I believe that he is alive. I believe that he is well. I believe that he is risen. I believe all these things. And now, as you come, you've got to put your hope into that person, Jesus Christ, and not into getting your doubt solved. Do you see the difference? I have hope in a person that is greater than my doubts. And while I don't understand, there's so many things as you're reading the Bible, you're gonna, the questions will arise. It's okay. God's not afraid of your doubts. God's not afraid of them. Wrestle with them. And, and get in and dig in. But put your hope in Jesus. Put your faith in his promise and your hope in Jesus. Because as Jeremiah the prophet said, there is none There's nothing too difficult for him. Oh, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens. You made the earth by your strong and powerful arm. And there is nothing too difficult for you. You know, if you put your anchor on your job, folks, it is going to be gone. I've been around enough people that have given their hope in a job. And guess what? 
You gave everything and you thought it was God's will for the job and then God takes the job. And then you get mad at God. And then you say, this relationship, I put everything in here but I thought it was God's will. And then the relationship's gone. I thought my health, what about my health? Now my health's gone. And listen, all these things are so temporary. But yet God is saying, look, I'm going to give you something you can build your life on. I listened to a guy give his testimony. He talked about how that he had had major sin in his life. He was a well-known person in our country. And he said, man, when I fell, I fell onto the rock. He said, I was trusting all these other things. And when I fell, I saw that all the people who loved me, they all disappeared from me. None of them were there to pick me up. But when I fell, I fell on the rock. And he's the only thing worth living for and worth living on. I want to invite you to do that this morning. It's okay to doubt. Thomas doubted. Peter doubted. Abraham doubted. But what they did was they took their doubt and they said, all right, I don't understand this, but I'm putting my faith in that God. I know this much. He rose from the dead. He rose from the grave. He was dead for three days in the tomb. He was buried. He came back to life. I'm going to put my faith in that guy. And that guy quoted all over the Bible. So therefore, that Bible's got something for me. There's so many promises from God, and I'm going to put my faith and my hope in something greater than me. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to invite you to Jesus. That's what we do here. Every week, we invite you to Jesus. He's all we talk about. He's the center of attraction and maybe you've been struggling with doubt. Maybe you've, uh, you've just looked at some hard areas of life and, and there's some things that are not making sense in your life. It could be your job. It could be your family. It could be your own decisions that you're making. It could be some sin, some different things. And you're, you're looking at all these areas of life and you're saying, man, I am making, there's some doubt happening in my life and I want to encourage you today to work through that doubt. To struggle with it, but not snuggle with it. To move forward and, and to take your faith and place it on to the rock. Because your job, you can give your life for your job and then you'll be left empty-handed every time. Because your job just can't fulfill. All the money in the world can't fulfill this need that only God can meet in your life. Um, you can put all your, all your dreams into your relationships and your human relationships as important as they are. They cannot fulfill. Only God fulfills. And so I invite you this morning to Jesus. And maybe you need to just pray something like this to him this morning and just call upon him. And if this is you, I would encourage you just to quietly pray something like this to him. Dear God, I'm struggling. There's things that don't make sense right now. And I'm just coming to you and I'm saying I believe, but help my unbelief. So God, you came, you died on the cross, you paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. And I'm going to trust you right now, Lord. But there's so many things that I don't understand, so many things that don't makes sense to me but God I'm going to trust the fact that you love me that you care for me that you went to the cross for me help me to trust your promises help me to place my hope not in my job not in my family not in any circumstance but in Christ alone Lord, be with your people as we respond to you this morning. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand with us?